What a wonderful song. I know some I know some of y'all are still uh digesting breakfast. Right? Am I wrong? Okay. All right, so the title of the sermon this morning is, Do You Want to Be Made Well? We're continuing our, our uh, journey through the book of John. But before we do that, let me talk to you about a couple of mischievous little boys. We could call one of them A.W., but we're not going to. <laughs> These boys were ages 8 and 10. And at their wits' ends, the parents contacted a pastor who had been successful in, in, you know, rehabilitating bad children. And so the pastor asked to see the boys individually. So they sent the eight-year-old first to meet with him. And he sat the boy down and he asked him sternly, Where is God? And the boy was kind of scared, so he didn't respond. And so the pastor asked even, even more, Where is God? And again, the boy didn't make an attempt to answer, so, so the pastor raised his voice, and he shook his finger in the boy's face, and he said, Where is God? Well, at that, the little boy bolted from the room, ran directly home, and slammed himself in his closet. Now, the 10-year-old brother followed him into the closet and asked, What happened? And the younger brother replied, we're in big trouble this time. God is missing, and they think we did it. <laughs> oh, so the question is, is, will you be made well, or where is God in you? All right, the Gospel of John was written between 90 A.D. and 100 A.D. Scholars believe that John wrote the three epistles and the book of Revelation around the same time frame as he wrote the Gospel. The Gospel of John was written after Matthew, Mark, and Luke had already started to be circulated amongst the churches, and they wanted a more spiritual gospel. And so John sat down and he penned the book of John and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. And now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew <clears throat> that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. And that day happened to be the Sabbath, by the way. It was the Sabbath, says the Scripture. The Jews, therefore, said to him, who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he answered them, 
he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. And then they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. And the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. And for this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him, because he had done these things on the Sabbath. Let's pray. Lord, we have come to your word, and rather than going to it with preconceived notions, we ask that you would help us to get out of it what you have laid before us in a table, that we would dine on your word, that we would, that we would be filled. And so, Lord, we ask that you would fill us today, speak to our hearts, and help us to worship you even in this. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, God may not take care God may not take care of your circumstances in the way you want or in your time. So don't miss the miracle when it comes. So don't miss the miracle when it comes. First of all, God may not answer the way you think he should. John 5, chapter 5 verse 1, I'm going to read out the New Living Translation for a minute. And afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. And Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. Let's stop there for a minute. Here we have a pool of water, and there's five porches surrounding this pool. And there, these were not the type of porches you put on your house, folks. These porches were very large. Now we're told that the prevailing belief here is that an angel would come down and stir the water or bubble up the water, and the first person in would get healed of whatever disease that they had. You know, there's a debate as to whether these were legitimate healings or just something in people's minds, like, like a hypochondriac kind of thing. Uh, they thought maybe that a lot of these people, they had a sickness in their head and it wasn't real. Now, whether that's true or not doesn't matter. What matters is what Jesus did. Jesus walked over to a man who couldn't walk, who had an ailment. He couldn't get to the pool before anyone else. And why? Because someone would always step into it before he could get there. Sounds like selfishness some a bit, doesn't it? So what was going on? Well, you got all these people looking at a body of water during the day. I mean, they were tuned in, and they were waiting for that water to move. And when it did, it would cause a huge commotion, a huge problem. I could see people being trampled as everyone is trying to rush to be the first to this pool. And their eyes were constantly on the material realm of this water. 
They were continually looking to the pool. So you have all these committed people looking at this water, and Jesus comes up and asks just this guy, will you be made well? You know, that's an odd question, isn't it? He, he's there to be made well, isn't he? He's there at the pool. Well, not really when you think about people. I got a twofold answer for you. Number one, Jesus wanted the man to take his eyes off the pool and to look at him. Too many times we get caught up in our own problems and we wait for something to happen. We wait for an emotion, or as I like to call them, a Holy Ghost shiver or something. That's not how God works. He works by faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Hebrews 11.6, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. And number two, Jesus is demonstrating that the way the man thinks he will be healed isn't how God's provision is going to work. That's not how God's going to heal him. It's not going to be through a pool of water that gets stirred up. It's going to be by God himself saying, take up your mat and walk. Jesus is trying to pry the man away from the one, the one way that he's looking for healing. He's not looking everywhere. He's looking for that one answer. And maybe God's answer doesn't come in the form of a big check for you. Maybe it comes in the form of some small steps. Maybe God's spiritual healing doesn't come from the the, the parents talking about Jesus to a child, but in the form of someone else talking about Jesus. You know, God makes things happen in his own way and in his own timing. Isaiah 55, 8, 9 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are nothing, are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Be ready. Folks, be ready. Be ready and open for God to answer your prayers in ways you haven't even thought of yet. Keep trusting God and remembering to push. I like that acronym, PUSH. Pray until something happens. Luke eleven nine 9 says, And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. And Philippians 4.19 says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Notice it says, your needs, not your wants. I have wanted to be physically healed from diabetes going on 30 years now. But I'm reminded every time that Paul had a thorn in the flesh. And most scholars believe that it was his eyes. And what was God's answer every time? My grace is sufficient for thee. My grace is sufficient for thee. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, Each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ can work through me. And of course, we can't talk about this without remembering Philippians 2.13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Trust God. He is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases 
him. So Jesus asks of him, will you be made well? Going back to our main text. His answer is quite simple. He basically tells him, I have no one to put me in the water. In other words, hey, dude, Jesus, will you put me in the water? So focused on this one way that he still wants Jesus to do it the way he's been looking for. And as a side note, did you know that there are those out there who do not want to be made whole? Did you know that? They don't want to be made well. Not in their body, not in their thinking, not in their minds, not in their spirits. They just don't want it. Oh, they say they do, but they really don't. Do you know why? Because if they were, then they wouldn't have anything to complain about. Let that sink in for a minute. I bet you know somebody like that, don't you? But folks, we serve a good God. We serve a God who can take care of all of our needs according to his riches and glory. John 5, 8 says, Jesus told him, Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking, but this miracle happened on the Sabbath. Now, that is a miracle, folks. When, when God does a miracle, you may have been suffering through a situation or a circumstance, and then all of a sudden the answer comes real quick, and it all works out. That's how God works. How many times has that happened to you? You see no way out, and then all of a sudden it's like, bam. You've been praying about it. You've been seeking God about it. It may take 30 years, but all of a sudden, bam. Then again, he may say, my grace is sufficient for thee. And he'll walk with you through it. But what was this man's response? Did he continue to lay there and wallow in his sickness and in his struggle to try to get into the pool? Well, no, he didn't. Guess what he did? He did what he was told. He picked up his mat, rolled it up, and he walked away. Why? Because God took care of his problem. It wasn't the way he was seeking. It wasn't the way he was looking, but he took care of his problem. That's why. And God can do the same for you, whether it's physical, spiritual, emotional, bodily. He can do it. But as the three Hebrew children said, if he chooses not to, know this, O king, we will not bow our knee. And what happened? God showed up. He can show up. Point number two. Don't miss the miracle because you have your eyes looking in the wrong place. Don't miss the miracle that God is doing in you because your eyes are looking in the wrong place. John chapter 5, verse 9. Let's look at that real quick. Instantly, the man was healed. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping bag and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that? They demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. And so the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. 
So all of this was done on a Sabbath, which is the Jewish day of worship for the week. It's the last day of the week. We know it as a Saturday. As Christians, we worship on the first day of the week, which is Sunday. The Jewish leaders saw this man carrying his mat, and they didn't like it. And so they said it was not lawful to carry a mat. The one thing you've got to understand is that God gave commands, such as remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. So what does man do? Man does what he always does. He, he takes it a step further. He takes it even farther than it, than it was ever meant to be. Man takes that command and he adds all kinds of things to it. And as humans, we like to add things to God's commands that were never really there. Did you know that? Have yet to figure out why we do that. But we do. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 4, 6. I'm going to read out of the 1984 edition of the NIV. And it says, Now, brothers, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, Do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not take pride in one man over against another. Do not go against, beyond what's written. Do not go beyond what's written. We're admonished when it comes to the Word of God to not go beyond what is written. That means, you know what that means? You ready for it? Here, here's what that means. Don't go beyond what's written. Here's what that means. Do not go beyond what is written. That's what that means. That's a good idea for us today. That's a good idea for us any day. Did you know that for a time it was controversial for women to wear makeup in some denominations? Heard a preacher once say that he was asked about that, and you know what his response was? Does she need it? Good question. Did you know that the style of worship has been a topic of controversy in the church for years, going all the way back to almost its inception? My answer is simply, do the lyrics honor God? If so, then I don't care what style you listen to. It may not be my particular cup of tea, like Christian rap. I don't like that. I just don't like it. But it isn't evil, as long as the lyrics are God-honoring. Such controversies have existed throughout church history. It wouldn't be a problem if we just stick to what is written in the Scriptures, now would it? Don't go beyond what is written. Did you know that when they started the Gregorian chants, that was, a, that was a big controversy. How dare you chant? When we introduced musical instruments into the church, in church history, that was a big controversy. How dare you? And then we brought in drums. Oh, how dare you bring drums into the church? So throughout all these years, we've gone beyond what is written. Do not go beyond what is written in Scripture. You know, somebody asked me why I don't wear a three-piece suit and a tie. I'm about to, I'm about to let you all in on a secret. You ready? Because I'm cheap. <laughs> I gained weight, and I didn't want to buy new shirts, so I stopped wearing a tie. <laughs> and then I gained more weight, and my button-up shirts didn't fit, so I got the over shirts because they were cheaper. I'm cheap. All right, John chapter 5, verse 11. But he replied, 
the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. And the man didn't know, for Jesus, you know, he disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and he told him, now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Did you know that some sin leads to sickness? And it can lead to sickness for some and not others. But not all who are sick are sick because of sin. But there are some who are. For example, did you know it's a sin to be promiscuous in your romantic relationships? God's standard is one man and one woman for life. And there are certain diseases that can come up on a person who's in that situation. That's an example of sin making someone sick. Here's another example. Drunkenness leads to stupidity. Did you know that? This is why the scriptures tell us not to be drunk. They say, you can just don't be drunk, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Drunk people tend to do dumb things all the time. Uh, you know, I could, on the weekends, I was talking to a nurse years ago, and she said, we have a lot of broken bones on the weekends. And I got to thinking about that. You know how many people try to jump from roofs when they're drunk and end up breaking something? That's an example of sin leading to some kind of sickness. But God's not trying to stop your so-called fun. He's trying to protect you from the consequences of sin. A thing is sin because of two reasons. Number one, God gets to declare what is sin and what is not, and you don't get to do that. You don't get to change what he has declared. You are not all-powerful, you are not all-knowing, and you do not live outside of time and space. And when you get those attributes, then you can call yourself God and decide for yourself what is sin and what is not sin. Guess what? It's never, ever going to happen. So you best just do what God said. And number two, God declares sin... Sin because of the consequences that may come of it. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. The consequence of sin is death. Whether that's spiritual death, physical death, emotional death, mental death. I've seen some people that are so fried because of, because of the things and the drugs and the stuff they've been doing all these years, they can't put two words together. There's a reason God wants you to stay away from those kinds of things. Because it brings forth death. But you know what else that scripture tells us? The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. James 1.15 says, these, de these desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Sin leads to death, so we should probably stay away from it if we can. Quit playing with fire. You're not a fire-breathing person. Because sooner or later, you're going to get burned. You know, I say that you're not one of these fire-breathing guys, and somebody on the internet's going to email me and go, I breathe fire. I guarantee it. John 5.15. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. And for this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. You know, some other traditions will say that they sought to harass him. Some other translations or they sought to persecute him. But I believe the best translation to this particular scripture is exactly what I read out of the New King James. They sought to kill him because he broke their Sabbath rules. So what, would they, what were they going to do? They were going to stone him to death. 
That's where you pick up stones and you throw them at him until he's dead. You know, Paul was stoned three times. And guess what? God raised him from the dead each time. I don't know why I said that, but we killed the rabbit. Now let's have some dinner. Okay. They wanted to stone him, but they don't. You ever wonder why? Because it wasn't his time yet. Oh, they tried to do it, but they stopped short. Notice the religious leaders completely ignored the fact that Jesus performed a miracle. They were too upset by the fact that he performed the miracle on a Sabbath day. Rather than that, a miracle was performed. They were, they were too caught up in their rules, their regulations, that they missed the forest for the trees. They were too caught up in the physical. and completely missed that the spiritual had done something to the physical. And that's called a miracle. They missed it. Don't be like the religious leaders. God always wants to show you the big picture. Ask him to show you the big picture. Don't go beyond what is written. Keep your eyes open to the miracle working power of our God. There are some days I roll out of bed and I go, Lord, thank you that I was just able to roll out of this bed because I really didn't want to because I was hurting, or because I was tired, or because I had a rough night the night before, or because the blood sugars are too high, or you put your oar there. But sometimes you just need to thank God that you rolled out of bed. Sometimes that's a miracle. And God may not take care of your circumstances in your own way or your own time, but be sure to not miss the miracle when it comes. If you have nothing, if you remember nothing, just remember that. God may not take care of your circumstances in your own way or your time, but don't miss the miracle when it happens. If I can have the ladies come at this time. Let me ask you a question. Whether you're on the internet watching this by podcast or whatever, or you're right here in this room. The greatest miracle of all is when a new life is given to Christ. When a new life is handed over to Jesus. Have you done that? Have you said, Jesus... Man, I'm a sinner, but boy, do I need you. I believe. Believe in what? Believe that he lived 30 years, for three years did signs, wonders, and miracles, and died on a Roman cross for my sins, because he was sinless. He was the sacrifice. The Bible says he is the propitiation of our sins, or for our sins. He is the sacrifice. And to prove it, he rose again on the third day. And he declared victory over death, hell, and the grave. He holds the keys today. Are you sure that you're sure that if you were to meet your ultimate fate tonight, today, in the next five minutes, that you'd wake up in heaven? If not, then you need to get sure. 
If not, then you need to come to him and say, Jesus, save me. I don't want to see anybody waking up in hell. Because that's eternity. I'd rather you spend eternity in heaven. And to the Christian today on our message, don't forget that you serve a miracle-making God. He can do miracles. And He will do miracles according to His will. Always ask Him for the big picture. Where are you today in that? Are you perhaps got your favorite pet sin that you need to get rid of? Get rid of it today. Perhaps you've kind of just forgotten. This has kind of just become going through the motions. Church shouldn't be going through the motions. It should be worship to God. It's a miracle to be able to come here and worship. Because in other parts of the world, you gather together, they walk in the back door and kill you. It's happening all over Africa today. Where are you? Are you thanking God for where you're at? As we stand and sing, if you want to come to know Jesus, I can introduce you to him. If you need special prayer, I can do that too. Two or more gathered in his name, he's in the midst. We can ask him together. If you want to join this church by letter, statement, or baptism, we can do that too. As we stand and sing the invitation song, Miss Joe.